0: when you see people going through challenges especially like when you think about like civil rights and they were getting spat on and and this and that and they still had their head up high that's because they were being authentic in that moment and that they were doing something for their values they didn't care that they were being disrespected that they were being jailed that they were being beaten because they were they were willing to live and die by their values and so they were able to hold their head up high so my question to you is can you hold your head up high and if you can't why
1: Angel of light, come into me,
2: show me what I need to see. Welcome to the Small Victories Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria, an inspirational thought leader that offers transformational perspectives based on my unique experiences as a woman born without arms and legs. I feel like my life has been full of small victories that has led me to discover the greatness within. I believe that there is no summit upon which we reach our greatness. I believe it is a culmination of small victories achieved moment by moment. When we turn toward the inward battle where we get to choose despair or hope, misery or miracles, defeat or victory. My goal is to awaken your potential, your purpose and your power so that you can discover the greatness that lives within you. Think of this podcast as your weekly portion of tools, stories, and teachings that help you reflect on the small victories in your life. Thanks for tuning in, and let's begin. In our world, it is natural to feel the need to change yourself. We're bombarded with messages that we're not enough, we don't belong or fit in. We need to be a certain way in order to reach society's picture of success. It's no wonder people feel uncertain or even fearful of who they are. Today's guest goes by the alias, the Nocturnal Therapist. Harry Turner, a licensed clinical social worker, certified clinical trauma professional, certified mental health integrative medicine provider, and a heart-centered therapist is more than these titles. Harry is unapologetically authentic and perfectly human and considers himself a guide who combines mental wellness with spirituality, in this episode, we're going to dive into what it means to be authentic. Harry, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thank you for having me. Wow, what an introduction! Mercy, oh my goodness! Look, <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna need you to read that at my at my eulogy. You know? <laughs> that's 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 a that's a good one right there.
2: Well, uh, hopefully, that won't be anytime soon. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh no, no no no. I no I had some cutting up to do before then. I have a lot of cutting up to do before then. But thank you so much for welcoming on your show. It's, it's an honor to be
2: here. Thank you for reaching out to my call for people to come on the show. I love the conversation about authenticity. I think we are in a world where conformity is the calling card, so to speak, for the day. And I want to note in your website, you say you want to help people develop the audacity to live a life that reflects you. I'd like you to share with me, how do you define audacity and how does one develop it?
0: Ooh, okay. I thought you were going straight to authenticity, uh, authenticity but audacity. So to be audacious, first off, to be authentic, it requires you to be vulnerable. So I'll, I'll begin with that. And to be vulnerable because many of us have been harmed just because that's the life story of all of us we fear being vulnerable and so we hide ourselves and we behave in a less authentic fashion which then blocks us off from such certain emotional experiences but you have to be audacious in that you have to have courage to face your fears and still uh, move forward in a values-based manner Authenticity is all about how closely in alignment you are with your values. The more in alignment you are with your values, the more authentic you being. And the reason why authenticity is so important, so paramount, is because we were taught that we are to pursue happiness. And happiness is not something to pursue. Happiness is not a destination to be reached. It's the way we travel. Happiness is an action word. And the way that you become happy or you experience happiness, Is by being authentic your authentic self is the only path to true freedom of expression to happiness joy contentment and the sweetest of all emotions in my opinion because this is chronic happiness is fleeting it comes and goes you have moments but my 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 most favorite of all higher emotions is peace Mm -hmm. uh, because that peace then produces clarity and so that requires courage you have to Be courageous enough to lean into your discomfort in a world that tells you to avoid everything that you're afraid of. But we know no matter where you go, there you are. You can fly. You can have a change of landscape. You can go to Hawaii. You can go to Fiji. You can go wherever you want to go. But wherever you go, there you are. There's no running from you.
2: Yes. And I did start with audacity before we jump into authenticity because I think it is the prerequisite for authenticity. And that's why I wanted to start there. So you said a lot in a very short amount of time. <laughs> Let's go deeper and start dissecting a little bit about what you said. The first thing you said is that to be authentic, we first need to be vulnerable. Vulnerability
0: is a part of authenticity. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that it necessarily has to come first, but it is definitely a key ingredient to authenticity.
2: For people who might be listening to this, vulnerability, it seems to be a word that a lot of gurus use, like Brene Brown. We hear this vulnerability. What does that look like, though, in real life?
0: The mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. Same is for the heart. And so vulnerability means that you open yourself up back to life. When your pains and your traumas sense you running into the closet to hide yourself, because you were too afraid to be seen anymore, because to be seen means to be harmed by other people, especially when you're attempting to be your authentic self, you decide to go against the mind that wants to run from the, the, the previous trauma that you've been through. You decide to be courageous and come back out of that closet and choose to be authentic anyway. Some people may not agree with you, but choose it anyway. Some people may toss tomatoes at you, but choose it anyway, because I'm telling you, no matter what the others are doing or saying, that's the only path to true fulfillment. And so even if they're tossing tomatoes at you, you can still hold your head up high. When you see people going through challenges, especially like when you think about like civil rights and they were getting spat on and and this and that, and they still had their head up high. That's because they were being authentic in that moment and that they were doing something for their values. They didn't care that they were being disrespected, that they were being jailed, that they were being beaten because they were li- they were willing to live and die by their values. And so they were able to hold their head up high. So my question to you is, can you hold your head up high? And if you can't, why?
2: That is a deep question. In a world where we're feeling like we have to always be something else or someone else, someone may not be able to know even how to identify their values. Mm -hmm. How does one identify their values so then they can come back to who they authentically are?
0: It's a gradual process, but it is a lifelong journey. And so as we go about life, we encounter things that we like. A like is a key that there's something true for you in that space. And when you find the truth of who you are in that space, now you get to operate with that added truth that you now discover or really remember, as I like to put it. And with more truth, answering more of that question of who am I that's seared into everyone's mind, the more that we fulfill that answer, the more that we quench that thirst to know or answer that question who am I, the more we step into our authentic self and the more authentic we are, the more empowered we become because now we know the truth of who we are. And that sets us free from who we are not, which we believe we were before we understood the truth and who we are not is our shame. The truth sets us free from our shame, the illusion of who we are because we have a tendency to stare at our shame. But that's because it's a universal law or axiomatic truth that whatever you stare at becomes a reality. And so when we stare at our shame, the mind, and it's habit to attach itself to things that it need not attach itself to. It attaches itself to things that we are not. And then we confuse ourselves and convince ourselves from looking at it. We hypnotize ourselves and believe in believing that that's who we are, that we are who we are not. But then when we discover that truth, that's when we realize who we really are and we feel it in our core. We can experience who we are now.
2: What I heard was one way to uncover our values, our core values. Like there are things that we like, But then there's the core of who we are is Mm -hmm. to one, start looking at what are things that we are attracted to. I know for me, one of my core values is freedom. Being in a body that says I can't be free every day, every moment. Freedom to me is defined as having choice. I know that's one core value of me because it's something that I am willing to live and die by. Like you said earlier, in everything I do, it's to achieve more freedom the other thing i heard in terms of learning our values and learning who we are who we are not who we are not is by not focusing on the shame
0: or that- realizing that the shame is not who we are because that's why we repulsed by it the key to knowing that we are not that is that it repulses us anything that represents who we are we naturally like if you are an artist then you apparently enjoy drawing or painting or other forms of art and so you do it you don't do it because it makes you miserable you do it because you love it it represents a part of you that's how we know that's that right there that's the truth of who we are if you love painting then that's true that's the truth of who you are and so it it doesn't matter what the world has to say about you and your painting and your relationship with your painting that represents your truth and so you step into that truth no matter what anybody has to say about it because that's the only path to really experiencing these higher emotions
2: but sometimes our shame becomes our identity
0: yes 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 the shame the shame the shame becomes our identity when again we choose our fears over our values in any moment, we're either choosing fear or we're choosing values. We're operating out of fear, or we're operating out of faith. And of course, our fears represent—and y'all have heard it many times before—F E A R: False Evidence Appearing Real. It was this little story, boogeyman story, that we created for ourselves some time ago, based off of experiences that we've had, trying to make rationale, trying to, to trying to make sense of these painful experiences we've had. And so we've created these boogeymen in our not in our minds. And because we chose to run away from it, just like any mirage, it becomes bigger and stronger the more we move away from it. But when we turn towards our fear, just like any mirage, when we run up on it, it dissipates. We realize that there was nothing there, false evidence appearing real. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. There's an African proverb that says, if you defeat the enemy within, the enemy without can do you no harm. It's really about the path of understanding that we've come here to have an experience. A full human experience. And by full, I don't avoid, even though I I, I prefer not to experience pain, I do not devalue my pain because my pain is not less wondrous than my joy. The sweet ain't sweet without the bitter. So we must have these things in order to have a full human experience. Now we decide where the power is at when you become as you embrace your authentic self is that you get to choose you realize that there's not just one way that you can have a relationship with this experience that you're having that you can actually choose what type of relationship you want to have with your subjective human experience and then in that in that space it's almost as if you're in a dream and you realize that you're dreaming that's when things begin to get fun because now you move from running to choosing
2: that's so powerful can you share with us perhaps a personal story of you moving from running to choosing?
0: <laughs> Woo, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that one. All right. All right. So, and I'll try to, to, to make it as brief as possible, but I was born into a preacher's family, you know, I was born into a Christian family. And I am a Christian as well. This is not a bash Christianity story, but this is this is more or less the experience I've had as a preacher's kid. I was a second child, second child of four. Um, and so I also had second child syndrome. And I just so happened to be, every now and again, parents give birth to a child that is just a little bit weirder than the rest. So not only was I the second child, but I was that child that was just a little bit weirder than the rest. <laughs> Being a preacher's kid, and, and, and I, I can only describe it as this, people have an addiction to idols. We hate the what we have deemed as weakness in ourselves so much that we look for perfection in other people. And so they look for idols. And the preacher and their family are supposed to be those idols. And so the trauma revolving around being a preacher's kid is other, the community's addiction to idols. And so we were judged and picked apart and me being the most sensitive of the four, it just tore me apart. And I also had social anxiety and I didn't really speak much. The way that I'm articulating myself right now and speaking, this is completely opposite from who I ever thought I would be based off of my disposition. I was a loner, didn't talk to people. I believed that being seen to be seen, when I thought about being seen, all I saw was a crowd of people with pitchforks ready to tar and feather me. When I became a therapist, And I realized after some years that every single person that entered my door, they're all having the same fears that manifest differently, but the same suffering, the same fears, the same struggle, the same journey. When I realized that we are all on the exact same journey, I said, I need to let more people know this. And I need to help people wake up from this dream to realize that they are dreaming and that they can choose, that life doesn't just always have to happen to you, that you also get to choose too. And so with that passion, I, I, the only way to go in and do that, I, I thought, would be to become an influencer. So now I'm on Instagram and YouTube, started all of that, and it's very uncomfortable for me I, because I don't have dreams of being Instagram famous or anything like that. Because of my original signature trauma revolved around being seen, to be seen means to be picked apart. So the more followers I get on Instagram and YouTube and everything else, for me, because of my trauma, means more pitchforks more people to criticize me, more people to pick me apart. But my values told me, I know that you're afraid, but you need to choose to be audacious, to be courageous, which means that you choose to move forward in spite of being afraid. You can have your fears, but courage gives you the ability to move forward in spite of being afraid. And I've been given too many signs over the past five years that told me to go down this pathway. Since I know that this is part of my purpose, Even though I see those pitchforks, I'm not going to respond to my fears. I'm going to respond to my faith and knowing that this is part of my purpose and that I'm choosing to be unapologetically authentic in this moment. And so I will take whatever this moment gives me.
2: That's beautiful. I I want to thank you for having the courage and moving through those fears to be seen. We need more people like that sharing messages like yours. And I know something that helps me whenever I'm afraid to be seen Or picked apart. Going up on stage and speaking to people to me is like ripping my heart out, putting it out there and saying, Judge it. Mm. And that's scary. That is so scary. And at the same time, every time I go out in public or I step on a stage to go speak to people, I pray that God just uses me as the vessel and instrument through which the message needs to come through. So it's not about me, it's about like you said, the values and the message. And when you're talking, I think of like the matrix, right? The waking up from the dream, like wake up, (laughs) Neo, And we are one, right? We're all going through the exact same thing. Even though the traumas might manifest in different ways, the experience of those traumas is what connects us.
0: You know, you called me out on that one right there because The Matrix is actually my favorite movie. I fell in love with it from day one and I interpreted from like day one. You know, again, being a weird child, I'll tell you this quick story. My When I saw The Matrix, I think I was maybe like a, a freshman or sophomore in high school. And as soon as I saw it, I fell in love with it and I told my father how I interpreted it, right? <laughs> And so, you know, my father did what he could, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, he tries to be encouraging, you know, this is the weird child coming to him now, like, okay, here he comes with one of those, uh, you know, those interpretations, okay, all right, yeah, just encourage him, shake your head, say yeah. So, later on uh, in college, I was a sophomore in college, and he called me up, and he was really excited, and he said, Harry, 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 there's this, this man on television I'm watching, he's on a talk show, and he has a doctorate in philosophy, and he's talking about the Matrix, and I'm listening to him. In every single interpretation you made, he's saying it right now. And for me, it was both and a very endearing moment for me with my father. And at the same time, it represented that sting of not being able to be seen. Yeah. But my, father, my father came to call to give me kudos, which I received wholeheartedly. But it was also a reminder of not being able to be seen.
2: Before, when he kind of dismissed you,
0: he didn't dismiss. But the difference between a the weird child who's in intent grade coming to you versus someone with a doctorate degree, a doctorate of philosophy on somebody's talk show, you see that's uh, right now. I have I don't know how many letters have behind my name, but it's like. Certified clinical trauma professional, certified mental health integrative medicine provider. Uh, I'm a certified cognitive behavior group therapist, heart-centered hypnotherapist, and a licensed clinical social worker. So I have a bunch of letters. And I think I have some more letters, but those letters... <laughs> 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 the, and, and you're going to know, when I say next, you're going to understand like, those letters are for other people. I realized very early on that people need symbolic things, and it doesn't mean that those things represent those things, but people need to see those things in order for them to feel comfortable. So I need to have letters behind my name so people say, okay, he knows something, as opposed to the boy, the child who always.
2: Do you think that's an accurate assessment? Do you think everyone needs letters in order to be qualified? Oh, hell no. Right. Okay. I just wanted, I wanted to make, to see what your thoughts were, because I hear so many people who have great messages, who could do so much good in this world, can make a difference in people's lives. And yet they say, but wait, I need to get my college degree first. I need to get my doctorate. I need to get this. I need to get that. And so they stop themselves based on other people's need or their assumption of other people's needs for these types of credentials. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
2: and I think it's so sad.
0: It it most certainly is. It breaks the heart because you're going against what is authentic for you. You came in here complete. You don't need to add any initials behind your name or add anything to you. You are already complete. Okay? You already you you have a natural gift that you can Hone into any time you choose, but it takes you knowing yourself better, becoming more authentic, and becoming uh, allowing yourself to cultivate courage. Enough enough courage to be authentic in that space. But no, you don't need letters behind your name. There are people with with three and four PhDs, and let me tell you, some people that only made them educated fools. A PhD does not make you educated. There's a difference between educational attainment and intellectual capacity. I know some brilliant people that didn't make it past the third grade. I know some geniuses that didn't graduate out of kindergarten. So, no, don't let that that image, that illusion, that idol of I need letters or I need these titles in order to be somebody, don't let that hold you back. You are perfect as you are.
2: Yeah, it makes me think of Thomas Edison, right? He was kicked out of school saying he wasn't intellectual enough. And his mom said, well, I'll homeschool him. And he got up to like a fifth grade school level. And Mm -hmm. he ended up becoming one of the greatest inventors of our, our history. Same with Albert Einstein, right? He was deemed mentally retarded. The history shows that you don't need letters or other people's validation in order to know that you can make a difference. If you're listening to this right now, be affirm that you have everything you need to move forth in your purpose. I
0: was going to say, I don't know if it still stands true, but I know for the longest time, the bulk of new money, new millionaires were college dropouts. And if anybody ever, if you have not, I would definitely encourage you to read uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that talks about the poor dad being the one with all of the degrees, and the rich dad being the investor, who I think all he had was a high school diploma, you know, and I say, all you had, because these things are things that are placed on us by institutions. Let me just say, this is also the issue with the struggle, the challenge that we have being authentic. These institutions, we go into education, and we have kindergarten, first grade, second grade, over here in the States, First grade, second grade, we go all the way up to 12th grade and then we have something called a graduation. The very word graduation can be seen as a combination between the words gradual and indoctrination. You've been gradually indoctrinated into the American way of thinking, but what is the American way of thinking? And so the American schooling system is still based off the industrial age. In the industrial age, they didn't need thinkers. They need factory workers. And so that's why the classrooms are set up where you have to sit and make sure that you maintain your behavior, that you take these standardized tests and ad nauseum, and you have to get approval or get a good grade from a specific authority figure. Training us even as youngsters to take orders from people who own businesses, you know, and so a part of our challenge with being authentic is the fact that we were literally indoctrinated to take orders, we were literally indoctrinated to do what other people told us to do. That's why we have no problem showing up and dedicating our life spending our lives on somebody else's job, but when it comes down to doing things for ourselves, we can't find the energy. And it's because whatever we do as a practice and whatever we practice we become, we're used to taking orders from other people and we're not used to telling ourselves what to do. Mm-hmm. That takes, that requires courage and that requires you having passion. And you wanna, the only way you can really tap into your real passion is if you choose to be authentic. That's when you discover your passion.
2: That's so good. That affirms me. We actually homeschool our son, but we've homeschooled him since first grade. So I fully believe and uh, support that kind of thinking. Um, And I was hoping that COVID would shake us out of this whole old school way of thinking about our education.
0: (laughs) But Mm -hmm.
2: unfortunately, it wasn't enough. And, And not to say that, hey, if you're educated, you should be proud of that. You are. Harry, you you have all the letters, you have the credentials behind you, um, and you should be very, very proud of that because that took effort and time and money and all of that. But I just want to encourage people that don't have the same access to resources, that they still have purpose and passion that they can pursue regardless of outside validations. Harry, I understand you have a framework in which you take people through to help them get in touch with our authenticity. Can you share with us a little bit about what that looks like?
0: Yes, it's called, I call it right now, at least in this phase, the authenticity effect. And it is a, a five-stage process. And actually I'm uh, releasing my uh, online course on August 29th coming up. And so this is based off of this effect, the authenticity effect. And so the five-step framework is acceptance, clarity, reconditioning, envisioning, and then choosing. Acceptance, clarity, reconditioning, envisioning, and then choosing. And basically it's just the process that I, I've i gone on, and I would like to introduce other people to, that can bring them from that place of stagnation where they don't really have much uh, guidance, or so maybe they, they know where they need to go, but they're just afraid to do it. It removes those hindrances that are there out of the way to authenticity and then as that there's a process that needs to occur where we are actively becoming more aware insightful and then choosing with that new knowledge and so the authenticity effect is my process for taking people through that
2: so you offer a course on it is this a course they go on with you or is it a diy course
0: it is a mix of both i put together basically my insights over my entire the span of my life of course and uh it, it has PDF uh, presentations is going to have meditations also videos and lit reviews so I do a lot of explaining but besides that I'm also going to make myself available to do at least a two hour group coaching event every month to clarify any issues or ambiguities anybody may have. Because a lot of this stuff is heavy stuff. And so people may have questions to how to make it more practical. And that's where I come in. Give me the situation and I can give you, I can let you know how it manifests in this space.
2: Who is your ideal client for a course like this?
0: Those who have been suffering silently and those who have been saying that I'm not going to focus on my pain because people have it worse than me. Those who have been dealing with this depression and been wearing this mask because they know that they have to function in the world in order to pay their bills and so on and so forth. It's the people that I really want to draw in are people who are seeking to know themselves on a much deeper level, who have always asked themselves those, those deeper questions such as who am I? You know, what is my purpose? People that are still seeking out their passion but they're still trying to discover their voice what that looks like and also people that need to develop or seeking to develop which we all need this but people still struggling to develop a plan of approach poa i know we usually see it as a plan of action but what i develop is a plan of approach because it's about how you approach life upon waking up the intentional decisions that you make upon approaching life that really dictates or makes the most the biggest impact on you being authentic
2: awesome If you're ready to awaken from the matrix, (laughs) (laughs) as as referred to earlier, Harry can be your guide. How appropriate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks, Harry. I feel like we could probably go on and on and on, and this conversation could take us full circle within a few hours. But I am going to close off this episode. I would love to maybe have you on in future episodes. I think the messages that you have to share align with who I am authentically, what I want my company to represent, and who I want to serve. Cheers to whatever future endeavors that we have. Thank you so much. Here are this episode's takeaways. Being audacious and courageous is required to be authentic. Being vulnerable, meaning the willingness to be seen, is a part of being authentic. We're either operating from fear, false evidence appearing real, or from our faith and values. When we approach life from our values, it doesn't matter what others say or what happens to us. We can hold our head up high. We are not our shame, and we know this because we are repulsed by it. Anything we are repulsed by is not who we authentically are. We are authentic when we are in our joy. Whatever we practice, we become. Our graduation from school is the gradual indoctrination of us taking orders from others. Our school system was created for factory workers, not thinkers. We are born perfect and complete. We do not need letters or validation from external sources to live out our passion and purpose. Living authentically and audaciously opens the door to what Harry said, your passion. I believe authenticity allows you to be more free to be who you are, for you to be able to create your story, not be at the effect of other people's stories. And when you live and create your life from a place of authenticity, That is where victory lies. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Harry. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this has encouraged you to really look at your values, to have the courage, to be audaciously authentic. Until we meet again, be blessed.
1: Angel of light, come into me. Show me what I need to see. You are my pathway into the night. Lead me from shadows to light. You smile on, on my small victory, on my small.
2: I want to thank the people that are listening to this at this podcast. Living authentically and audaciously opens the door to what Harry said, your passion. I believe authenticity allows you to be more free, to be who you are, for you to be able to create your story, not be at the effect of other people's stories. And when you live and create your life from a place of authenticity, that is where victory lies. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Harry. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this has encouraged you to really look at your values, to have the courage to be audaciously authentic. Until we meet again, be blessed.